is this Barcelona boring or did the Spanish Grand Prix, despite a dominating performance, give us just a little more and was actually a good race? We're going to go over the day in Spain, the win by Max Verstappen, but also what happened down the finishing order that was worth our attention. It's the Overtake F1 podcast. I'm Tony Desiri. Thank you for joining us as we review the Spanish Grand Prix. Now, before we get started, I do want to apologize for those who do subscribe to the podcast and listen regularly. Um, I was supposed to put out a Spanish Grand Prix preview last week. Unfortunately, I suffered a back injury and had been out and incapacitated for the couple of days leading into the weekend. So I do apologize for that. We do try to keep this timely. So I want to apologize. Now, if you're brand new to this podcast, please consider subscribing so you don't miss an episode. We give you the previews and the reviews of all the Grand Prix plus the news and notes in the world of Formula One. And if you wouldn't mind, please leave us a five-star review. Uh, It does help us with the algorithms helping us out when it comes time for all of the metrics that the uh, internet needs to make sure that we are properly promoted. All right, Max Verstappen at a Grand Slam weekend, right? Started on pole for the first time at Barcelona. He dominated the race on Sunday. He led every single lap and he got the fastest lap at the end. This was his fifth win of the season. How now leads the world championship by 53 points. Now, a dominating race by Max Verstappen is not new, of course. We've seen it all last year. We're seeing it this year. So I don't I don't want to say that this race didn't have anything else to talk about. It did. It was a fantastic day for Mercedes as both Lewis Hamilton and George Russell both got podiums. But the problem with this season is how Formula One is going to sell the rest of the way. And you're starting to see that now with some of the predominant media members within the Formula One community talking about other things besides a non-competitive world championship. So in other words, forget the battle for the world title. Forget who wins races any given Sunday. Just watch for the racing. Watch for the battles. Watch for the drivers fighting for points. That's what Formula One has to do because they have no other storyline at the top of the sport. It's max, 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 and that's it. Now, is that sellable to the new F1 fans that they're catering to? I mean, let's be honest, the sprint races, for example, that is something that they have come up with to cater to new fans. We didn't need it for years and years and years. And all of a sudden there's a surge in popularity. There's a surge in new fans that kind of want a little more. And they started creating like sprint races, different venues now going to Miami, going to Las Vegas, trying to get into the American market. But again, is this sellable? You're talking about a fan base that came in, what, the 2020 pandemic, when that's when the rise in popularity of the sport was happening due to Drive to Survive? What did the sport give you the very next year, right? One of the greatest battles for the championship of all time. Now you've got a new person, they're watching that, and they go, wow, this is crazy. I love getting up watching this. Then the next year, it's Verstappen dominating an entire season, but it's still like, yeah, no, but this happens every now and then. My Formula One friends told me every now and then this happens. But now what's happening again, are they still motivated to stay within the sport? If you're Formula One, this is something you would be concerned about. All right, let's get back to what happened in Barcelona. And one thing is clear. I will say this. Sergio Perez is not going to win the championship this season. I know there was an optimistic group that saw after Azerbaijan that this could happen, that these two drivers could trade wins back and forth, and we might actually have a Nico Rosberg, Lewis Hamilton type of situation. That's not happening here. That Sergio Perez is just not Max Verstappen, and it's no knock on Checo. I love Checo, but he's not Max Verstappen. Verstappen's from another planet. I mean, he's on another universe as far as Formula One drivers go. This is not to denigrate Sergio Perez, but the idea that they were going to do 22 races this season and he was going to win as much as Verstappen, and they were going to go back and forth is crazy. It was crazy. 
and he's got a 53-point deficit to climb back out of, and he's not going to do it. So I'm putting some cold water on a lot of people's optimistic view that we might see um, an inner battle within the Red Bull team for the championship. No, no, we're not. Now, don't get me wrong. If we get to September and I'm actually wrong about this, I'll be the first one to admit it. But I'm not. And most of you knew this anyway. It was all just sort of you didn't want to say it couldn't happen because it's a sports cliche that anything can happen. But that ain't happening. The team, though, that owned the day Sunday was Mercedes. They could not really showcase the upgrades in Monaco because it's Monaco. But they were optimistic that Barcelona would allow them to compete with Aston Martin and Ferrari, sort of that best of the rest situation. Now, Carlos Sainz was on the front row, uh, right, in P2 at the start of the grid. So the target for Lewis Hamilton was Carlos Sainz. And when Sainz pitted first in the race, he stayed ahead of Hamilton after Lewis got on the softs and onto the mediums. But on lap 28, Hamilton was able to cruise past signs. I mean, he flew past him. Um, and then he stayed in second place. Russell, he did not get out of Q2 on Saturday and yet had a ton of work cut out for him, but he made quick work of that, got right through the order. And after pitting right behind Hamilton on mediums, he also zipped past Carlos signs on lap 33 in turn one. So Ferrari, signs in the Ferrari, they were nothing compared to what Mercedes had dialed up in Barcelona. So very, very good for Mercedes. Now, there was a lot of hope for Lando Norris. He finished P3 on qualifying Saturday when his better qualifying results. But on the opening lap, he hit the back end of Lewis Hamilton, damaged the nose of the car, had to come in early for a pit stop. That ruined his day. So that was kind of sad because I know Lando brings a lot of optimism. There's a lot of fans waiting for that breakthrough moment. I mean, nobody thought he was going to win the race, but you'd like to see him do really, really well. McLaren's had pretty rough of a year right now, and um, but Saturday it looked like some of that stuff was behind them. Oscar Piastri made it even, even into Q3. We're going to have our team grades coming up later in the podcast. Now, the other team that disappointed on Sunday was Aston Martin. Fernando Alonso and Lance Stroll did get in the points, but Alonso did not get a podium finish. I'm sure that disappointed that the home crowd that was there to support him and what a remarkable season that he had. Sometimes you get to a racetrack and you're not dialed in correctly. The tires aren't really working, and you kind of know it. They kind of knew it um, through the middle of that Grand Prix that they were not going to be competitive near the front, so they tried to protect as much as they could to get points, and they did. They got 12 points on the day, which is not a great haul, what they've been getting in the past. But Lance Stroll hasn't really been doing his job. And one of my points in the preview that would have come out had I not suffered the back injury was that you kind of want to see Lance Stroll contribute. Aston Martin is in a good place with Fernando Alonso, but he takes a team. And Stroll wasn't participating as much as you'd like him to. And this weekend, both team, both drivers got in the points, and that was good for them. So while it was disappointing that they weren't running near the front to give Fernando Alonso a podium, at least they got some points. Carlos Sainz, he was racing in front of the home crowd too, and it was a very... Very, very disappointing day for him. He would he made a run at Max Verstappen on the softs. He started on the softs, Verstappen's on the medium. Now, don't get me wrong, he wasn't gonna win the Grand Prix taking the lead on lap one, but it was it was something to be cheerful about um, in the opening stanza of the race. Verstappen uh, made the mediums go pretty well. He came in for the hards and finished off on the softs. Every time Verstappen pitted, he had a big enough lead that he came in with the lead and he left with the lead. So there was nobody undercutting him or whatnot. He didn't have to worry about that. But everything behind him was rather fun. I mean, I'm serious. Everything was rather fun. Joe Guan Yu had a very good race. Um, him and Yuki Sonoda 
kind of tangled up a little bit that cost Sonoda a five-second penalty. You had some good run by Pierre Gasly, who had to kind of move up um, into the into the in, and fight Charles Leclerc towards the end. So this Grand Prix used to be pretty dull. I mean, it was really boring. And then the last two years, due to the new regulations, they've gotten a lot more overtaking. We saw a lot more excitement on the track. And that's why at the beginning of the podcast, I said, if we're just going to view these races as nothing more than who wins, then they are going to be short. They're all going to be Red Bull, Max Verstappen. But we are interested in how the points battles come out. We are interested in who gets what and who took points away and who to gain points in every single Grand Prix. This was eye-opening to me for Mercedes. I Again, the battle for the best of the rest here, the battle for P2 and the constructors could be one of the more fun fights that we've had in a while. Ferrari seems to be on the back burner right now. Charles Leclerc had a disastrous weekend. Something was really wrong with his car that they could not figure out. He started from the pit lane because they were taking him out of Park Ferme and trying to look into why he couldn't get out of Q1 on Saturday. They never really figured that out. He did not finish in the points. There was a late push to get him Past Pierre Gasly, knowing that Yuki Tsunoda ahead of them had a five-second penalty, that would have given him the final point if he were to pass Gasly. He did not. Just another disappointing weekend for Charles Leclerc. But Aston Martin now has a deep competitor in Mercedes. If these upgrades really do work out, now Toto Wolf did calm that down a little bit, saying, look, the colder weather that happened in Barcelona really suited our car, so they're not super optimistic that the the upgrades really showcased what the car can do. They're, they want to wait and see when they go to Canada uh, in two weeks to see how that plays out. But now we're talking, right? So we can concede Red Bull and Max Verstappen. Go ahead, run away with the constructors in the world championship. But there, this battle between Mercedes and Aston Martin could be very, very good. One note, though, on Mercedes, George Russell thought it was raining. He ended up being sweat in his visor. I got a little excited because he's like, rain. Turn five, and they're like, oh, okay. And then you could see no one else was commenting on rain, and nobody was doing anything about rain. And then he goes, yeah, anything about that rain? Oh, it's just sweat in my visor. And they're like, yeah, it's just sweat in your visor. But I I forget who it was on the broadcast, but they, they sort of applauded that as somebody who's just uber-focused, that any droplets of water he sees, whether it's inside from sweat or outside from rain, he's just uber-focused at the moment. So you got a little bit of props for it, even though I thought it was kind of hilarious. All right, one other thing was Max Verstappen. He did play around with the track limits a little bit. Um, he was warned a couple of times, and he was given the black-white flag, meaning if he had one more track limit violation, he was going to get a five-second penalty. Now, I know that you could look up at the timesheet and see he had such a huge lead. He could afford a few of those and still win the Grand Prix. But if there was a safety car, and something happened at the end of the race, and like Australia, right? Remember Carlos Sainz got a penalty, and he went all the way from podium finish all the way down to the back end of the field because of the fives? That's what you're worried about. It's, it's hey, look, we could get a five-second penalty, and we don't know how the last few laps of this thing are going to play out. And if they play out like Australia and we are running this thing under a safety car, finishing this thing under a safety car, you're going to be falling back. So let's not mess around with this. But it was kind of funny because Max wanted to go for the fastest lap. And they were like, yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah, he's like, I'll do it anyway. And he did it anyway. And that's completed the Grand Slam victory. All right. So Spanish Grand Prix. 
predictable? Yes. Did I like the racing? Yes. Do I like the new storylines that are kind of emerging? Yes. Ferrari's in some trouble. That bothers me. I'm a Ferrari fan, but it bothers me. But Mercedes is looking really strong now and battling out with Aston Martin. If Ferrari gets their act together, we could have a three-team battle for P2 and the constructors and all of those things that we would want to see up front. We're just going to have to take it one step backwards. All right, it's time for the team report card. So we go over all 10 teams on the grid and give a letter grade for their performance in Barcelona. Let's start with Red Bull. I gave them an A. Max Verstappen with the Grand Slam win. Pole position, let every lap, fastest lap, and the race victory. Dominating weekend for Verstappen. He made the medium tires work as the cars behind him tried to beat him on softs it was his fifth win of the season even though he was given that black white flag that i told you about he still took the fastest lap because he wanted it that's it he just wanted it sergio perez finished fourth beginning of the race on medium tires it was a tough qualifying day for perez who did not get out of q2 i would have given him an a plus had it been a one-two finish it was not so they just get an a but that's good enough because who cares because they're winning this whole thing anyway mercedes does get the a plus finish and why not if you take for staff out of this equation, Mercedes had the best car of, on the grid. A second for Lewis Hamilton, a third for George Russell. Hamilton did have the contact with Land- Lando Norris behind him on that first corner, but he did not suffer any damage. And once he was able to get ahead of signs for second, he pretty much stayed there. Russell had a lot of work to do. Started P12, but he was able to make some early moves, held off Sergio Perez to secure the podium place. The upgrades were there. The team didn't want to get too confident as cooler temperatures in Barcelona played a part in their car's performance. So you might see it more on display in Canada, but Aston Martin feels the same way. Ferrari, they get a C-. Carlos Sainz started on the front row, was on softs. He had tried to make a move for the lead right away. Verstappen held that inside line and, again, just kept it. However, he could couldn't hold back the two Mercedes during the Grand Prix. He finished fifth once Perez also got past him. And as for Leclerc, that troubling season continues. And I mentioned before, had some major problems with the car. He did not get out of Q1 on Saturday. The team had him start from the pit lane so they could take a look at the car, putting him on hards. It didn't really take off. He was fighting Pierre Gasly for 11th position, but it would have been the final point of the Grand Prix because Yuki Tsunoda ahead of him had a five-second penalty. But Gasly did get that 10th spot and Leclerc finished 11th. As for Aston Martin, I gave them a B minus. Now, it was not their weekend for fighting for the best of the rest up front with Mercedes, but the two drivers both finished in the point. So maybe I'm a little hard on them, but the expectation with Fernando Alonso was just not met. He did finish seventh right behind Lance Stroll, who ran sixth. And now Alonso did not want to pass Stroll. So basically he protected the team for a good points haul, or at least the best that they could do. I mean, let's be honest. He knows who signs the checks. Um, anyway, he's really confident that the team will show up in Canada and be back on the podium. Uh, but it was also a home race. That will also be a home race for Stroll, like Barcelona was a home race race for Fernando Alonso. Alpine gets a B minus. It was points for both drivers. Esteban Ocon followed up a podium finish in Monaco with an eighth place finish in Barcelona. Pierre Gasly, who battled Leclerc over the final few laps, ended up 10th after Yuki Tsunoda got the penalty. Props to Gasly. He dropped a P14 at the start of the Grand Prix. He worked his way back up. Ocon thought a P8 was probably the best that they were going to do. And that's kind of true. I mean, he started sixth, but behind him were, were Russell and Perez. So drop two spots with those two guys eventually passing you and you finish eighth. So, and that's where he finished. So it's probably true that that's the best he probably could have done on that given day, but they get a beat. 
Alfa Romeo gets a C plus. And this is because it's Zhou Guan Yu. Now he gets like a B plus. All right, so I got to tell you about Valtteri Bottas in a second. But Zhou Guan Yu had a good afternoon. He finished in the points, finishing in ninth place. But his teammate, Valtteri Bottas, had an awful day finishing 19th. Zhou went from 13th to P9 and was the car that Sonoda got in trouble with when he when Zhou had to take an alternate route when Yuki didn't give him enough space into turn one as he was trying to overtake with DRS. Uh, so Zhou benefited from that in a way Botas he could not get the softs working never really had any pace on the car they get a C plus but I do want to acknowledge Joe Guan Yu had a very very good afternoon as far as AlphaTari goes they get a C minus now we mentioned Sonoda who was penalized the five seconds after he ran wide on turn one that caused Joe Guan Yu to really go outside it was a bad mark on an otherwise pretty good day for Yuki he was running in the top 10 before the penalty dropped him out of points to P12 now Nick DeVries finished 14th. That's not a bad result. It's not great, but he's still a rookie. The, here, Nick DeVries went 14th, 14th in the first two races of the season, uh, then went 18th DNF, DNF, and then had a 13th place finish, I think, last week. But nevertheless, this is a 14th, 15th, 13th. That's about where it, sort of the expectation is. So he had like a couple of weeks where he didn't finish. He was spinning and crashing and 18th place finish. Now he's kind of back where you think a rookie in an Alpha Tauri car should be. I just want to make that clear because I've been very, very hard on Nick DeVries, and this is not the race where I'm going to be hard on Nick DeVries. Uh, McLaren, man, they got a D. Both drivers got to Q3 on Saturday, man. It was looking up. It was a great day, great run. As I mentioned earlier, Lando Norris was P3 to start the Grand Prix. But at the start, he fell back of Lewis Hamilton, who was right beside him in P4. And then he went into the back of Hamilton, damaged his nose, uh, then had to come in for an early pit. And because throughout the Grand Prix, there was no safety car, he just could not make up spots. So he ended up riding around in the back. Um, but afterwards, he said, look, I didn't think we had the race pace anyway. And so his teammate, Oscar Piastri, also felt that way. He finished 13th. So two guys that were in the top 10 on Saturday finished outside the points. Um, Haas, a D. Nico Hulkenberg finished 15th after getting to Q3 on Saturday. Had an early pit stop. It was pretty slow. Tires just never came in for both he or Kevin Magnussen, who finished 18th. They just overall very, very disappointing day for Haas. And Williams gets a D, too, because Alex Albon finished 16th. There was really nothing to write home about. Logan Sargent, like Leclerc, started from pit lane. They wanted to take a look at his car, and he finished dead last. He finished 20th in uh, the Spanish Grand Prix. All right, so that is our review of the Spanish Grand Prix as Max Verstappen takes the checkered flag for the fifth time this season, but let's watch out for Canada and what Mercedes will bring there and Aston Martin if they can rebound after a not-so-good day. We will have a preview of that race coming up just prior to the weekend of the Canadian Grand Prix from Montreal. Uh, please subscribe to the channel. Leave us a five-star review if you like this podcast. Uh, you'll never miss an episode if you subscribe, and it really does help our algorithms. If you'd like to reach me on Twitter, you can do so at Tony D Radio. If you'd like to email Email the show, Tony D Radio Show at Yahoo.com. Thanks for listening. Please share with your friends. This is the Overtake F1 podcast.